Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Hey, Life Church! It is such an honor to be with you this Sunday. I know your pastors um, have been friends of Sharon and myself for since I was uh, 17 when I got saved. I met them when I was probably 18, 19 years of age when I was a youth pastor back in Sydney, Australia. And Sharon and I loved God with all of our heart, and we loved serving God. We loved God's people. And we were just trying to figure out how do we balance a happy married life, a ministry life, and family life, and social life. And we're really just struggling in life about how do, how do you make all that work? And I remember uh, meeting this guy called Paul Dion. It was in Sydney Christian Life Center, and I was in the far western suburbs of that city of Sydney in a place called Penrith. And I said to Sharon, we need to find someone that we could look to that's just further down the road than we, where we are in ministry life, but have the kind of marriage and have the kind of ministry uh, that we would want to emulate, that we would want to draw wisdom from. And I got to tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, I would not be standing here today if it were not for your pastors, Paul and Marie Dion. Sharon and I spent time with them. I often say I afflicted my friendship on them and they poured wisdom and counsel and advice. I tell you, I could have made some serious mistakes in life if I had not listened to their wisdom. Uh, at times when they said things, I didn't see it, but they could see it. I am eternally grateful for your pastors, Paul and Marie Dion. And I wanna speak a word to you today in light of what's happening right now in Life Church, and we are believing God for a miracle for Pastor Paul Dion. We're believing God for a supernatural turnaround. We're believing God for a great report. We trust God. We trust in His goodness. We trust in His sovereignty. And I know that the Dion family over this season and over this time really felt like God gave them two words to really hang on to, and that was, but God. I gotta tell you, those two words have held me in my life and meant my ministry over decades. These two little words, I wanna give them to you, but God. Two words, six letters. Of course, you know, you can think of a lot of two words with six letters. You can think of cat, dog. You can think of a lot of different things uh, that you could find, two, you know, two words and six letters in. But when you put these two words and six letters together, and you look at Scripture, did you know how much the Bible has to say about but God? That when you live under the power of these two words, everything changes. When you live under the power of these two words, these six letters, and you understand in Scripture what the Bible has to say about but God, and I want to take you on a journey this morning, and let's look at these two words in Scripture, six letters, and I want to speak a word today into life church, and this is where we're gonna start, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 10. And this is whoever the writer of Hebrews is, it says, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. Speaking about parents, speaking about people in leadership, people about um, just people who actually are looking out for our best and they do their best according to what they think is best for us. But look what the Bible says, but God 
disciplines us for good in order that we may share in his holiness. So the Bible talks about there's plenty of people on earth life that give you wisdom, discipline you. But when God brings his love and his discipline and his correction, that actually everything that happens from heaven is for our good. Hebrews chapter three, it says, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Look at these two words. Every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of all things. I wanna speak to you today and thank God for the builder of life. Thank God for your pastors and thank God for your leaders and thank God for the worship team. Thank God for the children's ministry. Thank God for all the people that are serving in leadership and community groups. Thank God for all the people that are building. But it says, but God is the builder of everything. And I wanna remind you today that God is building life church, that when you live under the power of these two words, it says again, listen, to it, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. So let's take it, the first thought I wanna give you this morning, and that is simply this, 2 Corinthians 7, verse five. It says, for when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. <laughs> Look at these two words, six letters. But God, who comforts the downcast. Oh, thank God for these two words. But God comforts the downcast. There was conflict. There was everywhere they turned, there was no rest. It says there was conflict on the outside. There were fears within. And I wanna say to you, but God comforts the downcast. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. When you live under the power of these two words, you understand there's a but God moment in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your conflict, in the middle of your crisis, in the middle of whatever it is you're facing, that you are not alone, but God comforts us. And it says, how did God comfort the downcast? It says, He comforts us by the bringing of Titus. I love this. It goes, not only by His coming, but also the comfort that you had given Him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, that my joy might be greater than ever. I love it because God's answer to your moment of being downcast is God brings people into your life and God, but God who comforts the downcast. And how does He do it? By the bringing of other people into your life that can hold up your hands when your hands are tired. And like Moses, when he was sat on the rock and his hands were in the air, and then over time as they were fighting the battle, it says his hands begin to fall, but then others came alongside of him and held up his hands. As his hands were falling, the Bible says the battle was beginning to lose. They were beginning to lose the battle. But then others came alongside of Moses and held up his hands. And as they held up the hands of Moses, then God's people began to prevail. Can I say to you today that God could call you to be a Titus to someone who is at conflict everywhere they turn? Fears on the outside, fears within, conflict on the outside, no rest. But God has called you to be a Titus and to be someone who can come along 
the old pastors and hold up their hands. And I wanna say to you, not just to your pastors, but to others who are downcast, when you understand the power of these two words, my friend, you're not alone. You're not without hope. God can call you to be a Titus. I want to be a Titus. I wanna be someone who comes alongside of my friends and believe God for miracles. And my friend, we're not just living in the report of the natural, but God comforts the downcast by the bringing of people into your life that will hold up your hands and you will win the battle in Jesus' name. Can anybody say amen? Let's be a Titus in Jesus' name. Here's the second thought I wanna give you in Scripture about these two little words, six letters, but when you live under the power of them, you're not a victim of what's being told in the natural. You're not somebody who's just feeling like everything's just in a three-dimensional world. You live in that fourth dimension. You have eyes that can see beyond the natural. You can see into eternity. Look what the Bible says here in Genesis 50 verse 20. This is the story of Joseph and Joseph was sold off as a slave by his brothers and they were gonna kill him and then they decided in the last minute, let's just sell him off and just get rid of him and get him out of our lives. And many years later, Joseph becomes second only to Pharaoh, leader of what was then the known world. And the brothers never thought they'd ever hear from Joseph ever again. Joseph had a dream that one day the sun and the moon and the stars, it would all bow and worship him. But between that dream of one day being one of the most significant leaders of the world to the moment of that dream, to the moment of fulfillment of that dream, Joseph went through a whole bunch of challenges. And now Joseph goes through the pit and he comes out of the pit. And then Joseph goes through the idea of being a slave and, and God promotes him in the middle of that. And then his wife, Potiphar's wife, accuses him of, of trying to rape him and he ends up in prison. And then Joseph finds himself in prison and interpreting other people's dreams. And one man forgot all about him. Joseph said, you're gonna make it out of here. You're gonna be okay. And then the Bible talks about Joseph was put in charge of the prison warden and the prison warden and the whole prison put him in charge of everything. And then the Bible says that, that the king, Pharaoh, had a dream and nobody was able to help him understand the dream. But this one man that was in prison with Joseph, remember Joseph, and he goes, I know someone who can interpret that dream. Joseph never lost heart. And now he's promoted second only to Pharaoh, leader of the known world, was able to interpret the dream about the seven fat cows and the seven skinny cows. And now Joseph is sitting there in charge of the distribution of food because there was a famine. There was prosperous times. There was a famine. And now Joseph's brothers, never expecting to ever see Joseph ever again, are bowing before their brother, but they don't know it's his brother. And then finally, they, Joseph lets them know, hey guys, it's me. He let them talk. You see, the dream that Joseph had, that one day even his brothers would bow down before him was right in that moment, the fulfillment of that dream. Could you imagine if that was me? Could you imagine if that was you? What would your response be? Would this be the moment to get revenge? Would this be the moment to let all the bitterness come out of you that you guys did this to me? But look at the response. When you live under the power of these two words, these six letters, in Genesis 50, verse 20, you, Joseph said to his brothers, intended to harm me. 
I knew that you had no good will toward me. I know that you actually had plans to hurt me. But look what he says. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many people's lives. You see, when you live under the power of these two words, these six letters, you don't become a victim of other people's plans. You don't become a victim of life and of circumstances. Joseph looks back over the, his life and yes, there was pain. Yes, there was heartache. Yes, there was betrayal. Yes, there was sadness. But Joseph all realized it was for a bigger and a greater purpose. And he understood his brothers whilst they meant it to harm him. And let me tell you something, Joseph stood there and stared down his brothers, no victim, no bitterness, no resentment. But actually in this moment, Joseph goes, but God meant it for good. I wanna declare to you today in the name of Jesus, listen to this, that actually God wants you healed. God wants you blessed. God wants you to be an overcomer. And maybe what it looks like in the natural isn't what it, what it may, it is what it seems in the natural, but you gotta understand God is bigger than all that. God is better than all that. God is all powerful, all knowing from the beginning to the end. And we can trust in his goodness. We can trust in his sovereignty because he is alpha and he is omega. The end of a matter is better than the beginning of the matter. It doesn't matter what the matter is as long as you know the end of the matter will be better than the beginning of the matter. Right now, you're just in the middle of the matter. So it doesn't matter what the matter is because the end of the matter will be better than the beginning of the matter. And I wanna declare to you today, but God in Jesus' name. I wanna give you, I wanna just talk to you for a moment. I remember when I was working back in Sydney, Australia, I was working for Auburn Council. And I had a boss that just hated the fact that I was a Christian. He did everything he could to harm my reputation. He used to say to me, I hate the fact that you're a Christian. I want you to let you know that I, I'm gonna see to it that you get fired. Well, when you got a council job, it's kind of hard to get someone fired. And I wasn't too worried about it. I understood this was a spiritual battle. I understood that he was trying to do me harm and he was sending back reports uh, kind of slandering my name and saying things about me that weren't true. And then finally, he managed to get me working directly under his supervision. And he was just trying to make life miserable for me and hard for me. He was trying to get me to just want to quit the job because of his harassment. You see, he meant to harm me. He was next in line for the promotion to be the boss that could fire me. And he said to me, I want you to know the day I get this promotion, the first thing I'm gonna do is have you removed from your job. And I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, God's bigger than you, God's bigger than this. And I remember the person that worked directly under him uh, was a friend of mine. He was a uh, horticulturist and an agriculturist. And I worked for the uh, Botanic Gardens there in uh, Auburn and in Sydney. And, and so when it came time for the person in charge of all the gardens to retire, the natural person in city council, the hierarchy is the person who's been there the longest would get the job. That was the guy who didn't like me. But something happened for the first time that I'm aware of in that city council, that this person who should have got the job didn't, that the person who had the better qualifications, you see, the other person didn't have a horticultural degree or an agricultural degree. And so 
this, this boss that was the one that had it in for me was actually, and because he was not uh, a young spring chicken himself, he actually was overlooked for the promotion and my friend got the job. My friend knew that this guy had it in for me. And my friend knew that this guy didn't like the fact that I was a Christian. So my friend who became his boss actually used to have me come in during our coffee breaks in the morning and sit there and have coffee with him and now this guy who had it in for me. And he used to always say, hey, Steve, would you please say grace today before we eat our morning tea break? Would you please ask God's blessing on the food we're about to eat? And I wanna tell you what that man meant was to harm me, but God meant it for good. And I wanna say to you today, when you live under the power of these two words, you're not a victim to other people in Jesus' name. Here's the next one. I love this. When you live under the power of these two words, you can't be cursed. I love this story here. It says, but God said to Balaam, don't go with them. You must not put a curse on these people. Why? Because they are blessed. Another translation puts it this way. Puts it this way. You can't curse them because I have blessed them. Now, Balaam, we know as we read this scripture, is a crooked prophet. He was asked to curse God's people. There was the enemy of Israel that wanted to destroy God's people. And so they went to Balaam and said, if you'll curse these people, then we can take them and we can take the land of Israel. And so Balaam went and asked God, what do you want me to do? This king wants me to curse these people. And look at the response. But God said to Balaam, he says, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on them. When you live under the power of these two words, these six letters, can I tell you something? You can't be cursed. And look what God says. You can't bless them because they are blessed. I have blessed them. Here's the thought. You cannot curse those whom God has blessed. And I want to declare today, when you live under the power of these two words, I want to tell you, not only do you not live above what man means to do to harm you, but you live above anything of any curse. The Bible says the curse causeless shall not come. I think about Balaam. I think about what a bad prophet he was. Even though God said, you can't curse them because I've blessed them. Come on, how many believe we are blessed in Jesus' name? If you have Jesus living inside of you, if you're a Christian, then you've got the Saviour of the world. You've got the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You've got the Prince of Peace living inside of you and you cannot be cursed in Jesus' name. I remember when I was back in Sydney and I was uh, just uh, reaching out to young people and just believing God to see lots of young people get saved. And I'll never forget this one guy walked in. He was a warlock and he told me, I've put a curse on you. He was all dressed in black. He looked like the undertaker in the wrestling show. And he was a black hat and a big black coat and had black clothes and black boots. And he had even black mascara all around his eyes. He tried to look dark and demonic. And he walked up to me and says, I want you to know that I'm a warlock and I've cursed you. And I've put a curse on you. And tonight you will die in your sleep. You will never wake up from your sleep tonight. You will have died of a heart attack. We're gonna get a chicken. We're gonna sacrifice it and I just curse you. And I just said, well, man, do what you gotta do. But I told some of my Christian friends, 
She won't believe what this guy said to me. He said to me that they're going to do all this stuff and the hokey pokey and he's a warlock and he's going to curse me and I'm going to die in my sleep tonight. Well, my Christian friends who didn't understand the power of these two words and these six letters said, Steve, we need to be up all night praying against all those curses. We need to counter that in the spirit. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to bed. I'm going to go to sleep. I can't be cursed because I'm blessed. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, here's Balaam. And Balaam, of course, is going to do it anyway. And he he begins to ride his donkey and he's on his way to curse the people of God because there's money in it. He's a bad prophet. And so as he's riding, the Bible says God sends an angel to stop Balaam. And the Bible says that the angel stood in front of the donkey. And here's what's amazing about this story. Balaam, the prophet, the one who's supposed to be able to see, the seer, couldn't see the angel, but the donkey could. That's telling me the donkey had more spiritual insight than the prophet. And then, of course, the donkey turns aside and Balaam slaps the donkey, says, what's wrong with you? But the poor donkey, he can't talk. And so, you know, he begins to ride again and, and, and the same thing happens. The angel comes down a second time and, and the donkey turns aside again and Balaam slaps the donkey and Balaam says, what's wrong with you? The poor donkey, he can't talk. He can't tell Balaam what the prophet is, what the problem is. He can't tell Balaam there's an angel standing in front of him and he would dare not go any further in front of an angry angel. And then a third time, this time the donkey and Balaam are riding and there's a wall right beside them. And the angel came, the Bible says, with a flaming sword drawn. The angels had enough. This is it. So Balaam's donkey literally turned up and crushed Balaam's leg up against the wall. Now Balaam's really mad. He gets off the donkey, he slaps the donkey and he says, what's wrong with you? And God in his goodness allowed Balaam's donkey to talk, to tell Balaam what the problem was. And the donkey said, can't you see the angel? And I wanna tell you today, we need to live under the power of these two words, these six letters, but God that you are blessed in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. Look at this next one. The fourth thought is this. You can know the power of but God, these two words, these six letters in the wilderness. I love what it says in 1 Samuel 23. It says, David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the devil of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Maybe right now you feel like you're in a wilderness experience. Maybe you feel like your enemy is looking for you. But I wanna tell you, when you live under the power of these two words, these six letters, but God will be with you in your wilderness. The Bible says, though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I wanna tell you, when you live under the power of these two words, these six letters, but God, He is with you in the wilderness and He is protecting you in Jesus' name. And here's my last thought. These two words, these six letters, when you live under the power of but God, you understand that God is the judge, that God is the one who has the final say. Give me a look at this, Psalm 75, verse seven. It says, but God is the judge. He puts one down 
and he exalts another. In Proverbs 21, verse one, it says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs its water course wherever he pleases. I know sometimes we can feel like maybe that people who are in authority that that um, we don't know that they should be there, maybe in terms of government. Right now, there's a lot of controversy and a drama over, you know, our, the pandemic we're facing, masks, no masks, vax, no vax. And, you know, is there too much overreach or not enough reach or not enough government influence? And maybe in terms of maybe your boss at work and you feel like your boss is, is just really trying to have it in for you. Can I tell you at the end of the day, but God is the judge. And when you live under the power of these two words, these six letters, you know that God will see to it at the end of the day, his will will be done. His kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. You don't need to fear maybe that boss. You don't need to fear that doctor's report. Maybe you don't need to fear that bank manager. You don't need to fear the people who you feel like are in a position of power over you, that they have the final say. Because the Bible says, but God is the judge. He exalts one and sets down another. And if somebody is actually interfering with God's plan in your life, can I tell you something? You just let God judge it. You just let God be the one. Don't you judge it. If you judge it, you're gonna mess it up. But if you say, but God, you are the judge. I'm not living as a victim to anything or anyone or anyone who I feel like maybe has power over my life. Maybe he's trying to have it in for me. Maybe that word that we're talking about, that's cancer. Can I tell you, God is bigger than that word. The Bible says that the name of Jesus is a name above every other name. It's bigger than cancer. It's bigger than your bank account. It's bigger than what's not happening in your life. It's bigger than maybe who you feel like. You might feel like all of, all of the, everybody's got it in for you. I love that story about the old prophet in the Old Testament and how he's old and he's, he's young Bible college intern, a prophet in training, walks outside and all of a sudden he sees that they are surrounded by a host of army of people who are there to attack this old prophet. And this young man who looks at it and he's overwhelmed. He says, we're done. This is too much. This is too hard. This is impossible. He goes running into the prophet, wakes him up. And he says, look, we're surrounded by the enemy's army and we've, we're done for. And this old prophet prayed, God, open his eyes. I imagine the young Bible college student goes, what do you mean? Open my eyes. I can see them better than you can. You're an old man. Your eyesight's failing, but I'm young. But in that moment, God opened his eyes. And then this young man began to see not just the army that was surrounding them, that was against them, that wanted to do them harm, but then he began to see the angels standing behind the army. Maybe that man stood there feeling pretty good because he's got others around him that they can come after the prophet. But little does he know right behind him, now this young man sees the hosts of heaven and the angel standing there. Perhaps the angel's toe is the size of that human being standing as an enemy. And the angel's going, go ahead, move, make my day. And I wanna tell you, when you understand that God is the judge, that God has the final say, that God is good. When you live under the power of these two words, these six letters, but God in Jesus' name. You're not a victim to anything. You're not a victim to anyone. 
Paul said, for I am persuaded that neither height nor depth nor angel nor demon nor principality nor power nor things present nor things to come, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's live under the power of these two words. Let's speak God into each and every situation that we are believing God for healing for Pastor Paul DeYoung. But let's also understand that the power of these two words are for you, for everyday life, for your job, for your work, for your family, for your health, for your finances and everyday life, but God in Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for these two words that we see in Scripture. And Lord, every time we see these words, there is hope, there is help. I pray, Lord, that we would be a Titus, that we would bring joy into other people's lives. We would not add to their sorrow, not add to their sadness. But Lord, when people are downcast, when people are without hope, when people, Father, have conflict from outside and fears within, where they are harassed at every turn. Let us be the Titus. Let us be someone who brings joy and hope and faith and strength. Let us hold up the hands of our brothers who are weak in Jesus' name. And I thank you as we do it. The battle is won. Thank you, Lord. We live under the power of these two words, but God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.